Hello, all you cinema freaks out there. I'm Eugene Weaver, your host on Cinema's Soft Underbelly. Welcome back. Uh, today we have a full, full, full episode of great horror tidbits and uh, my ramblings on Lucio Fulci. This is part two, obviously. If you tuned in on the last episode, I talked about some of uh, my favorite Lucio Fulci movies. I talked about uh, New York, the New York Ripper, City of the Living Dead, and House by the Cemetery. And, and in this episode, uh, I'm just going to kind of roll with this because there is more than enough. There, there's way more information here than I have allotted for my half hour uh, time that I have my tapings. So I'm not sure how many of these I'm going to get to. This could very, very easily turn into a three-part uh, three-part series. So this is this is part two. Uh, I'm going to be hitting on my two favorite Lucio Fulci movies. But uh, upon looking at his filmography, I realized that there is a bunch of other movies that uh, that. I really like from him, not to the extent of what I talked about yesterday and then probably what I'm going to be talking about today, but still very, very good movies in their own right and very worthy of a viewing. So um, anyway, I'm going to start with – with um, I might – you know what? Now that I think about it, I actually am going to go with some of the lesser seen uh, – Fulci movies, and save my all-time favorites for uh, last. So I'm going to cover Zombie and The Beyond uh, on episode three, unless I for some reason can get to them today, which I seriously doubt, because I love Lucio Fulci movies, and I could spend a lot of time talking about his movies. So uh, anyway, well, let's just get started here. Um, As I talked about on my last show, uh, Lucio Fulci, he was an Italian director. He passed away in 1996. Uh, he made a ton of movies. And when I say a ton of movies, uh, it's not just uh, horror movies. He's known for his extremely graphic horror movies from the late 70s into the early 80s. And even following through like throughout the 80s, uh, although the budgets kept getting cut more and more and the quality of his work continued to diminish more and more. Uh, however, he actually dabbled in a lot of other movies, uh, movie genres, and I've seen not all of them, but I've seen quite a bit. I've I try to watch almost anything he's done. Um, his uh, he got started back in 1959 was his first was his first gig, and most of those I have not seen. I think the first movie that I actually saw from him was Massacre Time, which was from 1966, and that's a Spaghetti Western. Uh, He had two Spaghetti Western movies. Um, The other one was called Four of the Apocalypse. And to be quite honest with you, I didn't care for either one of those movies, especially Four for the Apocalypse. I just couldn't get into it. Um, However, you might like it. If you're a a fan of Spaghetti Westerns, you may want to give them a whirl and see what you think. I I wasn't that enamored with them, but um, anyway... He has a, a ton of movies before he even got into horror movies. Uh, a lot of comedies, some dramas. He even has a couple kids' movies. Uh, there was White Fang that he did. Uh, and I actually have vague memories of seeing that back when I was a kid. Uh, it was 
on VHS, and I, I'm pretty sure I saw it because I just remember a really, really, really bad White Fang movie that it, that to me was like this is the worst thing ever. And I have a feeling that that was what it was. It was White Fang, and then the challenge to White Fang. So he did a, a two header there. But uh, anyway, um, so the guy has a ton of movies that uh, that he's done. Uh, movies that I I could spend a little time on, but uh, honestly, they're they're hardly worth it. He he did a movie called Contraband, which is an Italian cop crime thriller. I did see that one. I didn't. I, I've only watched it one time, and I didn't much care for it. Uh, I thought that it was uh, uh, just boring. The plot was all over the place. What it had going for it was, and this was in 1980, so this was he was just pumping out the movies. But I do recall that one being uh, very violent and uh, nihilistic and mean-spirited uh, for uh, an Italian cop movie because it's not a horror movie. However, it just it didn't really click with me. I'm like, meh, I not not really caring about this at all. So anyway, um, re- regardless, uh, I did watch it, and I I can say I yes, I watched it. So. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to get started with the movies that I were I was wanting to talk about today, and we'll just see how far we get. So the first movie I have to talk about was from 1971, and this was this was kind of his first foray, I think, into horror, and it holds up extremely well. And by holding up extremely well, uh, it's it is very dated and of its time. It's extremely swinging 60s feel but it holds up as far as a very very interesting story it holds up as uh as a psychedelic it's like very psychedelic drug induced uh, nightmarish weirdness there's some jollo things going on there so you know black gloved killer kind of but not really and it's one of those where the less i say the better on the actual storyline i'm going to read the synopsis here um, hopefully it doesn't give too much away because I copied it off of IMDb, but, uh, it's, uh, it's very much keeps you guessing until the end. And I like that. I, I, especially for something from 1971 that, uh, is quite inventive and unique in its storytelling. And in my, in my opinion, it's almost like some of these movies, uh, they were much better made even than his, than his extreme gore stuff, like like House by the Cemetery and New York Ripper, for example. I thought that the acting in uh, in Lizard in a Woman's Skin, in fact, uh, the acting in all three of the ones that I'm going to be talking about here, I think was significantly better than than a lot of his other ones. But they don't get quite the notice that that his, uh, his mainly his five big horror movies did, because uh, you know. They're, they're, they're not capitalizing on the horrific gore that is found in uh, House by the Cemetery, The Beyond, Zombie, uh, all those. That, that I've, already, I've already hit on three of those yesterday. So, however, th- this is still, especially if you're not a huge gory movie fan, this might be a good way to get into Italian, old school Italian horror cinema that... Uh, that isn't going to gross you out and make you vomit almost, uh, and it has a really good storyline. So I'm going to read what the, the synopsis here, and uh, just bear with me here. So I'm, I might butcher some of their names, but I'll do the best I can. Uh, Florinda Bolkin 
plays the daughter of a prominent English politician who keeps having recurring nightmares in which she makes love to a bisexual nympho who lives downstairs and conducts all-night LSD orgies. When the nocturnal wet dreams become murderous, the neighbor turns up dead and Florinda is the main suspect. Did she actually commit the murder she dreamt about? Is she being framed by her philandering husband? Did Florinda actually make nightly visits downstairs aside from borrowing the occasional cup of sugar? How did Florinda's letter opener end up stuck in the dead neighbor's chest anyway? Hmm. The complex plot unfolds amidst red herrings, outlandish dream sequences, lesbian hanky-panky, and ominous close-ups of Florinda Vulcan's guilt-ridden facial expressions every time someone mentions the murder. All of this takes place in the swinging late 60s London. And uh, I think that that doesn't give too much away because there is a lot going on in this movie. And uh, it is, as you can tell by the synopsis, it's very out there. In fact, it's funny when uh, I've watched this movie several times now. And uh, you can tell where, granted, I know that the Austin Powers movies didn't get the, the whole their whole shtick from lizard in a woman's skin, but it's these types of movies that they did. Uh, this is, this is something straight out of Austin powers. Uh, to be honest with you, it's with the styles and the music and especially the, uh, the late night LSD orgy parties, whatever. It's so bizarro. And you're almost like, what? But this was made in 1971. So this was, I guess, cool and hip back then. Um, so it, it's, it's a really crazy movie. It's not. It's not as reliant on uh, on violent bloodshed. However, he already, and this is in 1971. He already is showing a penchant for that. He's already Fulci is already dabbling in some of that. In fact, uh, this is this is crazy. I, I I read this a long time ago, and then when I watched the movie, I'm like, you know what? I can understand that. Um, Again, keeping in mind the time that this was made, there's a scene uh, in which the lady encounters the disemboweled dogs uh, in the clinic, and it became quite controversial because of how realistic the uh, the fake prop dogs looked. Um, and I, I remember that. I've seen the movie. I'm like, those they looked like really dead, like real dead dogs that were disemboweled. Uh, and this is a long, long time ago. Uh, director Lucio Fulci, he was almost sent to prison uh, because it was believed that the dogs were real and that Fulci had basically allowed animal cruelty on the film, that he allowed these dogs to be killed. Um, But the crew members, they were able to testify in court that the the dogs were indeed fake and no animals had actually been harmed. And the special effects artist Carlo Rambaldi, uh, he even presented the dog props that were used in the movie in court to convince the jury. Uh, this was the first time ever that, effect, that an effects artist had to testify in court that their work was fake. And uh, that is just insane. Uh, but it, it adds a certain something to this movie, knowing that there is already, that Fulci is already having some notoriety in uh, his pushing the envelope trying to do something a little bit different and out there. And uh, um, it's just, it's such a bizarro movie. And even 
uh, even without the dog, because the dog scene is one, the dog scene and the, uh, I don't want to say twist ending, because I, I don't want to give anything in this movie away, but the dog scene and just how everything comes to play in this movie and how things are wrapped up, make this just for such an uncomfortable, weird, weird viewing experience. Um, as far as the whole nightmare logic thing going on, which I love, I love, love, love when movies are able to pull off the nightmare logic, uh, like House of a Thousand Corpses does it, Fulci's own Beyond does it extremely well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's just there's a certain number of movies out there that feel like you're watching a nightmare on screen or someone's bad dream on screen. And Lizard in a Woman's Skin is kind of similar to that. It at least has the uh, the makings of that with just with what this woman is going through. Is she unraveling? What's going on? It's so bizarro. Uh, so anyway, I. I wish I could tell you a little bit more about the plot of the movie because it really is a trippy experience, but I don't want to spoil it because if you are going to watch it, going in not knowing a whole lot more than what I just said is is key. So it does get a big thumbs up. I really, really wish that this would have a Blu-ray release. Uh, so often with Fulci's movies, Fulci has such an avid, loyal fan base that Usually the companies that put out his movies, uh, they do a fantastic job because they know that there is going to be there is going to be money to be made off of these. Uh, maybe not huge bucks, but it's not like these are just being dumped onto Blu-ray in uh, in non HD scanned uh, quality. Or these things are for the most part uh, almost all the Lucio Fulci movies that I have, other than maybe uh, Voices from Beyond, which Code Red did. I actually might hit on that. Uh, at some point, if I can, because uh, that was the last movie that he did. Uh, most of them are lovingly restored. I mean, we're talking digitally restored. They look fantastic. They look new, as new as they can for a low-budget movie from the 70s and 80s. And it's just unfortunate that Lizard and a Woman's Skin, and there's just, not just that, but uh, the, the next one that I'm going to hit on too, that these have not seen a, a Blu-ray release. And I'm, I'm surprised that at least, Somewhere in the on planet Earth, they haven't seen a Blu-ray release because I would import them. Trust me, I would. Uh, so anyway, that's Lim- w- Lizard in a Woman's Skin. Big thumbs up. Highly recommend it, especially if you're not wanting to get into Lucio Fulci's gore movies just yet, but you want to see what his style is all about. That's a good way to get started. Uh, next up is uh, and I like I actually think I like this even more than Lizard in a Woman's Skin and that is the 1972 movie Don't Torture a Duckling. Now, yes, I know. I get it. The title is bonkers and weird and what? <laughs> um however, don't let that weird title fool you. Um ducklings don't really fit into this movie. Um uh, this is a straight up uh giallo movie from Italy and uh it's uh it has the uh, almost the perfect atmosphere going on in it. It is uh, if you want to see what old world Italy looks like, like the small uh, ancient towns. This movie has it. This movie is set in an old school town. Uh, I mean, cobblestone roads and old old buildings, and uh, that's that's part of the reason why I love this movie so much. Is the tone of the movie, the, the look of the movie, it's great. It It's from the early 70s, but it feels like what you're seeing was from even longer ago than that. Um, and this is going to be another one that unlike his, uh, his, his really gory movies, 
uh, from the, the late 70s and early 80s. This is another one that relies heavily, heavily, heavily on plot. Not that the other ones don't. Uh, those, all obviously, all, all movies rely on some sort of a plot, but these rely more on plot than special effects and stuff like that that you'll see later on in movies like Zombie, where you, you mainly watch the movie for incredibly fantastic special effects and what's going to happen next. These earlier movies rely a lot more on uh, on atmosphere and tone and the very slow pace and the very un- slow unraveling of the story and uh, the who done it. Obviously, this is a giallo, so if you know what a giallo means uh, in Italy, this is basically this is a a who done it, a, a a murder mystery. Uh, it's it's first cousins to the slasher movie but it's a little bit more mystery based a little bit more that that bend and this all comes from alfred hitchcock all this stuff i i think originated from alfred hitchcock and what he was doing and dario argento started doing it uh with with his animals trilogy back in the early 70s which was basically him doing what worked for alfred hitchcock in here in the states and uh and so Argento was doing it, and then Lucio Fulci started to do it, and then it pretty much it took off in Italy then. It was huge in Italy, the Giallo. There is so many great, great Giallo movies all through the 70s. I could do, oh my goodness, I could do numerous, numerous episodes on all of the great Giallo movies that came out in that time that are so, so, so watchable and so fun, and they all have the different... Um, you know, the the plot twists and who is the killer. Again, it's similar to a slasher movie, but not quite. It's more of a mystery and a whodunit type of thing. And so often, and you just know, like when you're watching one of these, especially from Italy, is lots of point of view shots of the killer's hands with black leather gloves on. And it's so cool. Uh, you know, you see them put the gloves on or you just see the gloves and there's a switchblade in one hand or whatever, or they're ready to, you know, the hands are going towards, uh, towards something to choke them or whatever. I just, I love that. Uh, I, I would, sometimes I actually pick the Jalo genre over actual slasher movies because they generally have a better plot. They generally have more effort put into the plot. And I could really get into that with a whole bunch of other Jalo movies, especially Dario Argento's stuff from the seventies. Deep Red would be the, the first one that pops right into my mind. That one had, a sprawling, epic murder mystery storyline going on. And I'm, I'm positive I'm going to be hitting on a lot of Dario Argento's stuff in upcoming episodes because he was knocking the, the ball out of the park uh, almost every single movie that he did throughout the 70s and into the early 80s. Um, but anyway, um, so this is a old-school giallo is what I would call this. Um, up front, I will just say that this does deal with child murder, uh, there are undertones of pedophilia in this movie. However, uh, it was from 1972, so don't think that this is going to be some, you know, some sicko, crazy, you know, hardcore thing. It's it's not. It just it fits into the plot. It fits into what is is or is not going on, and who the killer may or may not be. Um, brief synopsis here is a reporter and a promiscuous young woman try to solve a series of child murders in a remote southern Italian town that's rife with superstition and distrust of outsiders. And the less I say about the plot, the better. Um, 
Again, like 1971's Lizard in a Woman's Skin, this has some very startling scenes that you're like, ooh, man, that's brutal. All, all of a sudden, there's like a very gory scene in it. Um, but not near to the effect of what he did later, but it was enough to, to be very, very jarring in a good way. Uh, big thumbs up. I love that. It's like slow-paced murder mystery, whodunit type thing, what's going on. Um, some kids are killed, and th- which is obvious in any movie. That's huge. So uh, immediately you're hooked like, oh, my gosh, they, are, they actually went there. They actually did that. And uh, so you're all immediately hooked like, okay, who is the killer here? What's going on? And then every now and then all of a sudden there's this hardcore scene. And you're like, whoa, it's, it's startling uh, almost, especially for a movie uh, of this age. Um, and it's it's not done it's not done campily, and I don't want to say I, I I hesitate saying campy because uh, even Fulci's stuff like House by the Cemetery, while it does have that campy feel, this does not have that campy feel. Um, it still goes along with the story. It still fits in where it's supposed to, uh, even though this is not a gore movie. It still it makes it work all the more. And the reveal, I think, in you know, you might be jaded. I, I am jaded. When I first saw this movie, I was very, very surprised. I'm like, wow, I did not see that coming. Uh, however, since then, I've watched a ton of these movies. And so you may or may not be able to guess the killer a lot quicker than, uh, than I did the first time I saw it. But regardless, it is a great watch. It is one of the better Lucio Fulci movies, in my opinion. One of uh, my favorite Jalo movies. It's not my favorite favorite Jalo movie, but it's one of them. I still think that Dario Argento is king of the Jalo movie. Uh, Mario Bava, obviously, as if you've listened to previous episodes of mine, he was doing it as well. But I think that for firing on all cylinders, uh, Jalo. If you want to see the best of the best of the best of that type of movie, Dario Argento uh, was doing it, and he was knocking the ball out of the park. Uh, and I could get into that. I'm, I'm going to get into that at a, on a later episode. I, I keep wanting to go there because these are this is a Jalo movie I'm talking about here, but I, I hesitate because I don't want to spoil the fun on that. So anyway, um, okay, don't, don't Torture a Duckling. Big thumbs up. Not available on Blu-ray. Come on, someone get with the program. Release that on Blu-ray already. It would look fantastic on Blu-ray with the atmosphere and with everything that's going on in the movie. It lends itself great to it. And I would love to have more of a history on that movie as well, With uh, especially if something, someone like Arrow, a company like Arrow would release it with uh, tons of information on the booklet and special features and all that good stuff. So I really hope that someone can release it. Come on, please. Um, okay, so uh, last Dario, or last, uh, see, I'm on, I'm on a Dario Argento kick now, and i got to get off that. Back to Lucio Fulci. Um, last Lucio Fulci movie that I'm going to talk about today, and again, I, I can tell I'm not going to be getting into the Beyond and Zombie, uh, and I might even throw in one or two other if I have time in episode three of, of his works. But last one I'm going to talk about is a little scene uh, movie from, from him from 1981 called The Black Cat. And uh, it was made around the same time as his other big ones, like The Beyond, City of the Living Dead, House by the Cemetery, uh, all those. And uh, um, I'm, I'm actually a bit surprised that it, it doesn't get more love. Uh, I think because uh, – I think part of it was because he was already making a name for himself at this point with his gore movies. 
And then this thing came out that was more honed, more in tune with something like Lizard in a Woman's Skin or don't torture, especially Don't Torture a Dunkling. Uh, the Black Cat is the Edgar Allan Poe tale done Italian style with uh, Lucio Fulci as director. So he was still... Uh, when this came out, I th- I would put this up there with his other really classic gore movies. It's not a gore it's not a gore movie, but where he had the right crew and the right cast, and everything was just working so well. Um, this movie, I'm going to read the synopsis here, real quick here. David War uh, David Warbeck is in this, by the way, and David Warbeck uh, is also in the Beyond, and he is great. When I think of Lucio Fulci. He's one of the actors that I think of uh, when I think of a Lucio Fulci movie because he was very, very good in this and he was fantastic in The Beyond. Um, Robert Miles is a psychic that can communicate with the dead. He also has the ability to control the mind of his cat, who, of course, it's a black cat, of course. He uses the cat to take vengeance upon his enemies, and a photographer who happens to be working for the local constables begins to notice cat scratches on some of the accident victims that are turning up. She pays a visit to uh, Maggie um, and conveys her suspicions to the cat of the cat's involvement in some of the local deaths. Kitty doesn't uh, like this at all, and it's his turn to control the mind of owner uh, Maggie and take its vengeance out. So um, the cat, you know, there's there's psychic stuff going on, and well, you know, and I'm reading the synopsis here on IMDb, so it, it's kind of weird. Um, but it, anyway, it. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the synopsis. It's not really gory uh, in a time where he was pumping out the gory movies, but there are a couple of just like Don't Torture a Duckling and Lizard in a Woman's Skin. It has a couple of startling scenes that 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 are quite shocking, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on there? That uh, I didn't see that coming. Whereas stuff like The Beyond is just an, an onslaught, uh, a ninety minutes onslaught of of gore. Uh, this is not that. Um, this is more of a supernatural movie, not necessarily a giallo, but uh, it's it's very very well done. The atmosphere is great. The uh, I think that this was filmed in the UK. I don't believe that this was filmed in Italy, but I could be wrong. Um, couple things of note here: uh, Professor Miles, uh, he's the psychic. He's the quote unquote bad guy in the movie. That role was actually originally intended for Donald Pleasance, and I really wish that Donald Pleasance would have got the gig because. Uh, as most of you know, if you're listening to this show, then you should know that Donald Pleasant is uh, is uh, Dr. Loomis in the Halloween movies. And Donald Pleasant has been in a boatload of movies, and he's a great actor, um, was a great actor. Uh, another note here that I have is the role of Professor Miles was also offered to Peter Cushing of Hammer Studios. Uh, Peter Cushing was in a ton of Hammer, a ton of Hammer movies and, and movies elsewhere too. He actually refused to accept the part because he knew of Lucio Fulci's reputation for making gory horror movies. So already the word was out, this guy is making crazy gory horror movies. And Peter Cushing, who was, uh, it kind of surprises me that he did that, unless in his slightly older age at this point, he just didn't want to mess with that stuff anymore because he was in some pretty graphic Hammer movies. Uh, back in the day, nothing like what Fulci was doing, but he was in some movies that they were they were pushing the boundaries, especially for Hammer. Uh, but again, I think it would have been great to see him in this role. I think that would have been really cool too. Um, 
Um, there was an actor that was almost killed in a uh, – there's a fire scene in the movie. And a breakaway wall fell on her and she almost uh, she almost was killed. And that just goes to show that, um, th- that these types of movies, I'm sure that now things would be so – uh, so safe and secure and that would not happen. But back then I'm guessing that they were just going with it. And, uh, I think that that's pretty cool. So, um, last note here is Lucio Fulci had actually stated on numerous occasions that that film, the black cat was, uh, directed as a favor to the producer, which is odd because it really is a good movie. It's in the upper ranks of his movies. And the fact that it was almost seemed like he was a hired gun, uh, it's just odd, but the other movies that he was making at the time are are quite different as far as their their graphic nature. So I almost wonder if he was he was getting to be pretty popular at this point, and I wonder if it was just one of those, yeah, okay, I'll do this, whatever, that's that's fine. Um, I'm glad he did because it's a great movie, and it's another one that's not on Blu-ray or HD, and I really would like to see a remastered version of this movie because it's it gets a big thumbs up. It's not his best. But it's uh, it's very very good, and it's another one that I would say all three of these. I would say that if you're not looking to get into his really gruesome stuff just yet, check these three out. They are they're very well done. Yes, they are dated, but that's what that's what this show is all about. That's what I like talking about is is these old school movies. Uh, and if you're a fan of old school, even if you're not a fan of older type movies, you should at least give these a, a whirl because I don't want to say they're lost gems, but they're you know, people don't talk about these movies that much anymore. Yeah, they have cult followings, but they're really good. They're well made. Has some have some good acting. They're still shot on film instead of this high gloss, high end digital video, which I'm not trashing. It's that I, that's that looks fine. But so many of these cheapy horror movies that are pumped out on Netflix every week, it seems they just they don't have this feel. And these movies were not big budget movies, but there's something about the craft that. The, the, the stuff that went into these movies to make them what they were, the atmosphere, even the film stock, everything just worked. And I love that. I love the that feel from that time. And we're talking, we're jumping literally ten whole years from Lizard all the way up to Black Cat, but it still has that old school, cool horror feel. So, all three of those, big thumbs up, especially for you non overly graphic horror fans check those out i i highly recommend them and that's going to do it for me today i knew i wasn't going to get to the beyond and zombie so those two are going to be part three of my lucio fulci special i might even throw one or two other fulci movies in there although after beyond and zombie i've covered my favorite uh, fulci movies but there are still a couple a couple worthy mentions out there and i'll probably throw those in and that will wrap up my three-parter for lucio fulci so anyway uh, that's it for me today you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com i would love to hear comments feedback uh movies that i should check out movies that i should veer far far away from and never watch as long as i live i'd like to hear about that because trust me i'll watch a lot of crap <laughs> i like to keep it at as good a stuff as I can. Um, but please let me know what, uh, what you're thinking of the show. Uh, you can also, uh, hear my movie ramblings on my sister show, movie freaks. And we're on YouTube. Just do a search for movie freaks, uh, uh, pod show or podcast. What is it? Hmm. It's one of those. You'll find it. Just go there and search. And of course our friends at cinema sidekicks, uh, I, as I mentioned before in the previous episode, we're going to be having a major, major, 
pod show coming up with uh, uh, with all four of us, and it's going to be great. Well, four point five because we've got the sound guy that he he counts too. So, Clint, you're you're in this one as well. But anyway, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Mm-hmm.